Well, good morning and welcome to the summit. I'm so glad to see you today. I'm glad you're here and worshiping with us. If you're watching online at summittogether.com, I just want to say thanks for worshiping with us wherever you're at. So um, <laughs> I'm so glad to be back with you guys today. Um, I was afraid my wife wouldn't bring me home last weekend. Um, no, I mean, I, I love you guys and I love being here. Um, I resisted the temptation to watch the service last week. We were, we were gone. We were celebrating our 15th wedding anniversary. And uh, we went down and spent some time. Yeah! It's my wife. She gets credit for that. It's easy for me. It's tough for her. Um, but we went down and spent some time um, in our nation's capital and just kind of hung out. And, uh, and somebody asked me when we got back, they said, was it a romantic trip? And I thought, I didn't say this to them, but I thought to myself, well, we saw the, the Vietnam War Memorial, we saw the Holocaust Museum, we saw the Korean War Memorial, so no, not really, it was not a romantic <laughs> trip, but we had a great time, it was so much fun. And I'm so appreciative for Pastor Dick and uh, the pastors we have here on staff, they do a great job, and I know when I'm gone, I don't have to wonder, what's this guy talking about, are they going to trash me, or they, you know, nothing's going on, and they're bringing the Word of God in a way that's really redemptive and brings hope. And so I appreciate Pastor Dick and the whole team, all of our volunteers and staff that make it easy for, for us to get away. So when we're gone, we're glad to be away, but we're glad to be back because we miss you guys and we love you. Okay, um, let me get to a couple housekeeping things real quick. Number one, tonight is our membership encounter here at the Summit Church. So if you are new to the Summit, or maybe you've been at the Summit for a while, but you just want to find out a little more, uh, you, you want to get more involved, you want to get plugged in, you want to get connected, this is the best way to do it. Uh, you can join us tonight at 5 p.m. It's up on our youth room. It's literally this room right behind the auditorium here. Uh, you can park on the side and come around the office doors, come up the elevator, up the stairs, and we're going to be in the youth room. And we'd love for you to join us tonight. If you're interested, just sign up at the info center before you leave today and let us know so we can make arrangements. We're going to have food and that kind of thing. But it is a great way for you just to find out more about the summit, find out the direction we're moving in and where we're going and how you can get connected. So whether you've been here for one day or you've been here your whole life, if you want to find out more and get connected, we'd love for you to do that tonight at 5 p.m. It only it takes two hours, but it's, it's not just me lecturing, I promise. It's real interactive. We have a good time together. So come and join us tonight at 5 p.m. if you're interested in becoming a member or getting more involved at the summit. Also want to remind you, next week, a uh, week from today, is uh, we're having baptisms. So during our worship services, we're going to be having baptisms. And if you've never been baptized, or maybe you were baptized as an infant and you would like to be baptized, this is a decision you made on your own to follow Christ and you want to make the world know, let the world know that, we would love for you to sign up for baptisms at our info center. And the next week during our worship services, we're going to be celebrating changed lives during worship. So we'd love for you to be a part of that if you're interested. Um, because, you know, I love having baby dedications during our We Are Family series. I love doing baptisms during We Are Family because the truth is we are family. And, uh, and families... Families do stuff together. Um, a couple weeks ago, we talked about families do life together. Last week, Pastor Dick talked about families take care of each other. They have each other's back. And this week, this is going to be a good one. We're talking about families do go on trips together. And now you're all thinking, oh, we're taking a cruise, right? You're like, yes! <laughs> Hold your horses. Um, I, I, let me mention one more thing I forgot about. Today is uh, Pastor Appreciation Sunday. And I just want to say from uh, the bottom of my heart, on behalf of the... If I get it out of, the, out of my system in this service, I won't do it in the next service. But on behalf of myself and all the pastoral staff, we love you guys. We're so thankful for you. We, we, it, 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 I'm not putting my finger up. It's an honor and a privilege for us to serve you guys and best to be your pastors. We love it. We have a great time doing it. There are some challenges at times, let's be honest. But it is, there's nothing better than pastoring this church, and we love it. And so um, Pastor Dick, 
Pastor Matt Mano, um, uh, Pastor Todd, I almost forgot about Todd with the winter scarf now. Um, <laughs> these guys do a great job and they are worthy of, of you guys honoring them. So uh, if you're dropping off a card or um, a note or an email or a Facebook message, whatever it is, we just want to say thank you. We love you and we appreciate you very much. Because um, for, for us, this isn't just a job. Like, this is family. Like, we're, we're, we're doing this thing together, and we're seeing incredible things happen, and we're doing it together. It's not us doing it, and you get to come along for the ride, but we are in this thing together, and we truly feel that way, see it that way. So we just want to say thank you. We love you. I'm moving on. Um, oh, stop it. A couple weeks ago, I mentioned um, in this new series we're in We Are Family, there's two kinds of family that we have. We have family of choice and family of birth. And family of birth is the people you're born with. You get no choice in it. You are stuck with those people. You are born in a family. Uh, you have their last name. If there's weirdos in your family, you've got weirdos in your family, right? Like, you get no choice of it. And if you're in a family that has no weirdos, that means you're the weirdo, okay? I'm just telling you. Um, but... But the truth is, we have a family that we're stuck with for good or bad, better or worse. They are our family. But then we have a family of choice, people that we get to choose to do life with, people that we can choose to say, I want to share my highs and lows. I want to share my life with this person. And I'm so thankful that we have family of choice. And one of our goals is that this place will be a family of choice, that, that we will choose to do life together, that we're going to choose to share our highs and lows, our, our victories and our defeats, and, and our, our good times and bad. So we want to experience that together as a family of choice. And so, like I said, today we are talking about that families go on trips together. And I don't know about you, when I was a kid, uh, we would go on family trips. And my dad worked highway construction, so we didn't get tons of vacation time. One of our big trips we'd go on every year was we would drive from Oklahoma City to St. Louis, Missouri, where my, my mom's parents lived. And while we were there, we would go see Cardinals games, and that's how I was indoctrinated. So that's why I'm not a diehard Pirates fan, people. I'm just telling you, I came young, but I like the Pirates. Um, but that's how I developed this love for the Cardinals. But on this trip, it was a long trip. It was, you know, eight hours. And back in the day, the speed limits were lower, and it took longer sometimes. But there are, I have vivid memories about our trips. And my sister's five years older than me. And how many of you, if you have a sister or a brother, you remember long trips, and you'd be in the back seat, and you'd have the line. You can't cross the line, right? You can't cross the line. Mom, she crossed the line. Don't cross the line. Mom, she's about to cross the line where they do the thing where they go up to the line and point at, I'm not crossing the line. Like, stop it. She's looking at me. Don't look at your brother. Like, you know, all those kind of things that I'm sure parents loved in the trips. And then you get to the boiling point. And, and my dad, he was not an angry man there here today, so I can say this. It's not like I'm guarded by thousands of miles there sitting in the room today. But my dad, they would reach this point, and they would say something like, and I'm sure your parents had the same spirit, they would say something like, stop right now, I'm pulling this car over, right? I will turn this car around, you know. And the worst thing was, if you can imagine this bench seat, and my dad's in the front seat, and then as a child, my dad seemed enormous. I mean, my, he seemed like a giant of a man, and his hands were gigantic. And like in slow motion, his hand would come over the back seat of the car. <laughs> you know, like, no, and his, he'd start feeling around, trying to, I'm grabbing something back here, I don't know what it is. And I'm like a contortionist in the back seat, like I'm it's like Cirque du Soleil in the back seat of my car, and I'm like upside down, just trying to avoid my dad's hand, because I know if he gets me, like, it's all over. Like, this was the stuff of family trips growing up. And every trip you go on, every family uh, vacation you went on, every trip you go on has some sort of purpose. 
Uh, for us, this last weekend, we went to get, we went to get away just because we needed to relax, right? Uh, sometimes you, you're going to see sites. You drive to the Grand Canyon, and you're going to see that canyon. You're going for the purpose. Uh, and sometimes it's relaxation. Sometimes it's to see family, friends. Uh, but the truth is, every trip you go on, there's a purpose of some sort. Even if you're going to the grocery store, right? There's a purpose behind that trip. Why? I got to get milk. We can't survive without milk in my house, so I got to go get milk, right? There's a purpose to the trip. Even on days, have you ever heard of Sunday drives before? I don't know if they used to do Sunday drives up here, but in the South, back in, you do Sunday drives. Sunday afternoon, you just go for a drive. You roll the windows down, you drive around. Why were you doing that? You're, you're going to unwind, you're going to relax. You're not just going on a trip to go on a trip. You're going for a purpose, and everything we do, every trip we go on, every journey we go on, there has to be a purpose behind it. If there's not, uh, well, the truth is there is, always, whether we realize it or not. But there's a guy named Paul, and we've talked about Paul a lot. He wrote uh, the book of Philippians that we went through this summer. But Paul was known for going on these missionary journeys. After he converted to, to Christianity, he uh, felt so passionately about what God was calling him to do, he decided to go plant churches and go evangelize the world. And so he took a bunch of guys with him and said, hey, we're going to go do this. And he went on some things called missionary journeys, and he took guys with him on these trips to make a difference for the kingdom of God. And they planted churches that did incredible things all over the free world, all over the Roman world at that time. And they had a specific purpose in mind when they went on these trips. And when you look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, uh, Paul took Timothy, was one of his young associates that went with him on some of these trips. One of his was really kind of his, his son in the Lord. And this is what he says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.15. He says, the, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I want to stop there. If you're ever wondering what the purpose is of why we do this and why Paul did what he did and, and why we're doing all these things, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That is the purpose. That is the why behind why Paul decided to sacrifice, give everything up, and go on this journey, go on these trips, uh, to, to go on these expeditions to see people one to Jesus. Because he, he realized and understood that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He didn't come into the world to make us comfortable or make us happy or to... to Give us five steps to financial freedom. He didn't come into the world to do any of those things, okay? His primary purpose was to see lost people come to know him. And he goes on to say, of who I am the foremost. This is Paul, right? He wrote more books in the New Testament than anyone else. And he said, I'm the foremost sinner. He said, God came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the biggest sinner there is. Verse 16 says, but I receive mercy for this, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. He says, this is the thing. You might look at me and think, I'm the least qualified person to share the gospel with people because I'm the biggest sinner there is. But the reason God uses me as the biggest sinner is so people will see how much he loves sinners, that I'm the biggest sinner and he can use me, so of course he could use you too. Paul says that's his rationale. He, he came to the world to save sinners and I'm the biggest sinner there is. So you might be sitting here today and say, well, that's great, Mel. That was the Apostle Paul. But he doesn't know sin like I've sinned, right? Like, whoo, nope, he doesn't. He's never experienced it. You've probably, and I might be wrong, you've probably never been guilty of killing someone or been responsible for torturing someone. Maybe you have, but probably not. If so, uh, Pastor Dick would like to pray with you after service. 
right? But here's the Apostle Paul. He says, man, in my old life, I was the biggest sinner there is, but God can use me anyway. Why can he use me? Why do we do what we do? Because Christ Jesus loves sinners. He loves lost people. I've said this before. Um, people, well, I'm hesitant to say things like this, but I'll go ahead and tell you. I, I, got, a, I got an email one time from someone, and um, they were offering some criticism. And one of the things they said was that all I care about is numbers. And, uh, and I thought about it. I was like, well, that's not true. I care. I mean, I care about people. I love people, individuals and, and, and things like that. But then I realized, you know what? In a lot of ways, I do care about numbers and I'm not going to make any apology for caring about numbers. And I've said this to you before. Every number has a name and every name has a story. And every single story matters to God. Every person that walks through this place, every number that walks through this place is important to God. Every single person, no matter their socioeconomic background, no matter what their job, no matter what their title, no matter how much money they've got in their bank account, no matter what their ethnicity is, no matter where they live in town, no matter what their education level is, they matter to God. Every single one. And until everybody in Indiana knows about Jesus Christ, we're not going to stop evangelizing. We're not going to stop reaching people. We're not going to stop caring about numbers because numbers matter to God because people matter to God. And Paul understood that. People matter to God. So, so why was Paul going? Why was Paul going out? Why was Paul trying to reach lost people? Because people matter to God. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He said in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, this is what he says. He says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I love that because he doesn't say for everyone who uh, graduated with at least a four-point GPA from college, that's who Jesus came to die for. no. He said, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, no matter who you are, no matter what language you speak, Jesus came for you. Jesus died for you. You are valuable in the sight of Jesus. This is what he says, though, in verse 14. He says, how then will they call on him whom they have not believed? So how, how can we call on the name of Jesus if we don't even believe that Jesus is Lord? And he says, and how are they to believe in him whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? Verse 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And I love this passage because he basically lays it out and says, we all believe that people are important to God, right? People just clapped when I said every single person matters to God. If we really believe that, then we have to understand it's our responsibility to share the gospel with people. <laughs> like, whoa, wait, wait a second. Like, we believe it in theory in here. Like, we're, we believe that people need to know, but wait, you're saying we need to share the gospel? Absolutely. It's not, this, this passage is not just for missionaries that we send off and equip. It says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? The only way people can know about Jesus is by telling them. Now, I, um, I've said this before, but St. Francis of Assisi says, um, preach everywhere you go, and if necessary, use words. But I will tell you this. I can live the most godly lifestyle I know how to live, and very, well, never has anyone ever come up to me and asked me how they could get saved. Tell me about this Jesus you serve, because you don't cuss, and you didn't cut anyone off in traffic. I've been following you for two miles. You haven't even sped, so you must be a Christian, and I need to know more about Jesus. Like, that doesn't happen, right? 
So what do we need to do? We need to tell people. We need to tell our coworkers. We need to tell the people in our classrooms. We need to tell the people around us about what God has done in our lives. And when we do, people will be set free. <laughs> the truth is, the story you're telling, the story, your God story, is empowering. It's life-giving, whether you realize it or not. You don't have to preach like I'm preaching from the stage in order to bring the gospel to people. When you share your story about what God has done in your life, you are sharing gospel. You are sharing good news of what's happened to you and how God has impacted your life. I, I love this passage. It says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Have you ever seen feet before? <laughs> now, I don't know what he was thinking when he wrote this. There is nothing beautiful about feet. Okay? And have you ever heard somebody say, oh, they've got pretty feet? No, no, they don't. What they have is less ugly feet. That's all. Feet are not pretty. If they were pretty, women wouldn't have to like paint their toenails and go get pedicures and like have their feet soaked and like have all this stuff rubbed off. They wouldn't have to do that. But they're not pretty, right? <laughs> I said earlier that every journey has a purpose. And the purpose kind of defines who we are. And this is the thing. When those feet that are ugly have a purpose that's godly, they become beautiful. And you might be sitting here today saying, you know what, I'm nobody to look at. I'm nobody special. I'm nobody beautiful. I'm, I'm, I'm not, there's nothing beautiful about me, Mel. How can God use me? Because if the purpose for your life is God's purpose for your life, God will turn you into something beautiful. He will use it for his purpose and for his glory. Are feet beautiful? Absolutely not. Especially in this day and age, they would travel. They didn't have nice tennis shoes. They didn't have boots they'd lace up. Like when they got to their destination, their feet were nasty and gross and dirt covered and caked on. But Paul said, when I see those feet and those people are bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ, I see beautiful feet. It's caked on with mud and dirt and dust and they look disgusting, but I see the beauty behind them because they're bringing the gospel. And when you are bringing the gospel to somebody else, no matter what you might look like physically or emotionally, you might be a train wreck. But when you're bringing the gospel to somebody else, God says, they are beautiful. <laughs> Todd's wife has a tattoo. Jennifer here? I'm totally going to embarrass her. I think she is. Um, Todd's wife has this tattooed on her foot, the, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And I want to say, how, how painful are the tattoos of the people who get tattoos on their feet, right? Um, <laughs> Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I'll bring it back in now. I don't always filter my thoughts. Can you tell that? Yeah. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will go witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth and to the end of the earth. Um, I, I've grown up in a charismatic Pentecostal church man, my whole life. And in charismatic backgrounds, sometimes we put the emphasis on the wrong place. And so it... And sometimes they'll put the emphasis on that first part and say, but when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive power. And so we hear that and we go, all right, we're going to receive power. The Holy Spirit's going to come on us. In our lives, we're going to have power. But sometimes we neglect the second part because God gives us power not just to feel good, not just to have a better day, not just to experience life in a better way, but he gives us power that we might be his witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. The reason God sends his Holy Spirit for us is not simply to have gifts, not simply to have good feelings, but to see lives changed, to see people come to know Jesus through the power of our testimony. The word tells us we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. When we share our gospel story with people, it is life-changing. I love this because he says, you'll be my witnesses 
in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Um, God is calling us not just to reach Indiana. It's big. We need to reach Indiana. But if this verse was written today, if Jesus was standing here today and talking to the Summit Church, he would say, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive power, and you'll be my witnesses in Indiana, in Indiana County, in western Pennsylvania, into the uttermost parts of the earth. He doesn't want us just to reach the people in your workplace, in your office, in your classroom, whatever it might be. He wants you to have a bigger vision to reach more people because people matter to God. There are lots of lost people out there. And it's not just our responsibility to witness to the people around us, but to share our gospel story with everyone we possibly can, to challenge them and have a bigger vision for our lives than just, I'm going to make it to heaven someday. Ooh, maybe. God wants us to take a whole truckload of people with us. Matthew chapter 20, verse 16, it's, this is where Jesus ascends into heaven. It's the same passage or the same part that's looking at Acts chapter 1. This is what Jesus, uh, this is what it says in Matthew 28, 16. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when he saw them, or when they saw them, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, the word go there, it's, it's a, um, it can have two meanings. It can have the literal meaning go, like get out of here and go do this, or it can have a passive meaning and mean as you go. So it can mean as you live your life, as you go to the bank, as you go to the grocery store, as you drop your kids off for school, as you do these things, be my witnesses. Does that make sense? But sometimes we relegate this passage to just that. Well, I'm going to live my life, and if I have a chance, then I might witness somebody. But we have to understand there's a dual meaning there. It doesn't just mean as you go. It also means go. It also means get out of your seat and go do something. Go share the gospel with somebody else. I knew you guys would be excited about that. And Jesus, I don't know if you noticed this, Jesus doesn't say, hey, go and it's going to be really safe for you to go. Or go and you're going to be so happy. Your life is going to be so fun. You're just going to have rose petals and laughter and like baby kisses. Like that's what your whole life is going to be. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say it's going to be inexpensive and it's not going to cost you anything. You'll probably get rich doing it. He doesn't say any of those things. But do you know what he does say? Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He says, go. And you know what? It's probably going to be challenging. It's probably going to be hard. And there's probably going to be days you want to give up. There's probably going to be days you're rejected when you share your faith. But I'm with you. You're probably going to be embarrassed at times. You're probably going to be ashamed at times. It's probably going to cost you something emotionally or financially. But I'm going to be with you. That's the promise he gives us. You see, um... Oh, the tech team's going to hate my guts. I hadn't planned on reading this, but I'm going to flip over. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11. <laughs> They're not really going to hate my guts. They're just going to be unhappy with me. Um, this is what it says. This is Paul talking to the church at Corinth. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, verse 24. You know I'm serious. I'm reading out of the real Bible now. This is Paul talking to the church, and they were struggling with pride. They were struggling with... Um, boasting about who they are and all they had accomplished for God. And this is what it says. This is what Paul's saying. He's in the middle of this kind of discussion with them about being prideful and about boasting. And he says in verse 24 of 
2 Corinthians 11. He says, five times I have received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one, 39 lashes with a whip. He's been beaten five times. That's happened. He said, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, not probably the stone you're thinking of. Um, three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people. Danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and in hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from the other things. And he said, and besides all of that, there's a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I'm not weak? Who is made to fall and I'm not indignant? And he says in verse 30, if I, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. And then he ties it back up in chapter 12, verse 9. He says, but he, he'd asked God, he said, God, remove this stuff from me, whatever he was struggling with. In verse 9, God speaks to him and says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. This is what God says to Paul. He says, I'm going to leave you a little bit weak because my power is perfect in your weakness. And he goes on to say, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, some of us think I can't share my faith with somebody else. I can't take that journey because if I do, what are they going to say? What's going to happen? What are the consequences going to be? The truth is we feel very vulnerable when we talk about our faith, don't we? But when we're at our weakest, that's when we're at the strongest. That's when God shows up and does something in our lives. That's when he empowers us to do something incredible, when we're at our weakest. Now, why would we do this? Why would we share our faith here and around the world? Well, because every person matters to God. And we come alive in Christ when we're doing what God has called us to do. Have you ever done something nice for someone just because and afterwards, you felt fantastic. You're like, oh, that felt good. The reason is because is you got a little glimpse of doing what God has called you to do. God has called us to serve and to put others first. God has called us to do that as Christians. So when we do that, something comes alive in us. It's a burst of light in our life for just a moment. And we, oh, there it was. Like, I just felt like that was great, right? And when we do what God is calling us to do, when we serve, when we share our faith, we will come alive like never before. You might be sitting here thinking, man, this is terrifying. It's scary. Why would I do that? But the truth is, some of you are probably sitting here and you know, you have people in your mind right now that you know you need to share your faith with and you're terrified. It doesn't have to be tricky. It doesn't have to be a message or a sermon. It can simply be you sharing your story of how God saved you, how God reconciled you, how God changed your life. Whether it's across the street around the globe, I think every one of us today need to go on a journey. We need to go on a trip. And I think we can go on this trip together and see the lost come to Jesus. I want to see people saved, not just in this room, but in your office, in the break room, in the hallways of your school. I want to see people saved in the parking lot of your work. I want to see people's lives changed. It's not about building this church. It's about building God's kingdom. And that's what is really, truly important. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that you loved us enough to send your son to us and for us. And Lord, I thank you today that, um, that you love each and every one of us exactly where we're at, 
no matter who we are, no matter what our background is. And I pray that we would have that same kind of love and passion and devotion for others. I pray that the same love you have for us, the same sacrificial love, Lord, we would begin to love others in that way, Lord. Lost people, people we don't even know. Give us a heart for them to see them come to know you. Lord, I know the reason you came, Lord, was not just to make us comfortable or happy, but Lord, you came to save lost people. Lord, I thank you that, that Lord, I have been drastically lost. Lord, you found me. And I'm not better, I'm just found. So Lord, I pray that you'd have your way with us. Give us a heart for lost people today. Keep your hand on us, Lord, as we're walking through this and navigating this. Be glorified in us. Now, if you would, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you say, Mel, um, the truth is I'm not found. I am one of those lost people and I need to get some things right with God today. Um, I need to make sure my relationship with God is where it needs to be. I need to begin or restart a relationship with God, whatever the case might be, but you say today's the day I need to be found. If that's you, would you just put your hand up and say, that's me, pray for me. Okay. Maybe you're here today and you say, no, I'm a Christian, but the truth is I've been really happy just going to heaven and I need to have a heart for lost people. And I, need, I want to take that journey, I, whether it's across the street, around the world, whatever it is, I need to take that journey and begin to share my faith with people that are lost. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, pray for me, that's me. All right, a whole bunch of you all over the room. Let me pray with you right now. Lord, thank you so much for every person in this place and every person that's watching online. I just pray that your Holy Spirit would just rest on them. Lord, I, I pray that you just minister through them. God, I pray that Lord, you wouldn't just open up doors of opportunity, but God, I pray that you would give them the eyes to see those opportunities when they happen. Give them the boldness to take the steps, Lord, whether it's in their workplace or their neighbor, whatever it might be, God. I pray for stories this coming week from people who are sharing their faith and seeing lives change because of it, Lord. There's power in the gospel. There's power in your story and how you're changing our lives. And I pray that we would experience that, Lord. We would come alive as we share your story and how you're changing the world. God, I pray for every person that raised their hand and said they know they need to do a better job of sharing their faith, God. I pray that you'd give them the power and the spirit to do that, Lord. I pray your Holy Spirit would just minister in them and through them. God, let your spirit rest on them. God, I pray that they would experience you in a new way. They would be empowered in such a way that they would share their faith wherever they go. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.